Hey friends, welcome to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast, and I am genuinely so excited that you are tuning in today. Wild Hearts is for those who are passionate about diving deep, keeping it real, reclaiming their passions, and getting after the things that they were made to do without apology. In each episode, I sit down with a fellow Wild Heart to talk about life, travel, faith, and everything in between. So let's dive in. Hey guys, I am so excited that you are tuning in today for this episode with my friend Ainsley Britton. She's actually the first guest I'm having back for a second time, and I am so excited because not only is she wonderful and talented and amazing and going to bring so much goodness to this episode, but also she is a certified Enneagram coach, and you guys have been requesting an episode on the Enneagram for a long time. And for some reason, I didn't want to do it. (laughs) Or I didn't know. I felt like everyone already knew what the Enneagram was. But I think um, in in saying that, there's so much more to discover. There's always more to learn. And why not learn from someone who is certified in coaching on the Enneagram, but is also just a really fun person to talk to. to. So hi, Ainsley. Hey, girl. Thanks for that. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming back for another episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. Really, really excited to jump into this topic. Um, We were talking a little bit right before we hit record about just how um, involved the Enneagram can be. Um, So from the start, I want to say this episode is going to be an overview of a lot of the facets of the Enneagram. And Mm -hmm. um, we're going to encourage you guys to dive deeper. And I'm sure that Ainsley has some resources she'll point you to at the end of the episode. But you're definitely going to want to tune in to learn all about what the Enneagram is, what it isn't, and how to discover uh, what you are according to the Enneagram. But before we jump into that, Ainsley, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, where you're at these days, what you're doing. Um, Yeah, whatever you want to share. Cool. Where I'm at is always changing, as you (laughs) know, Um, being one of my longtime friends. um, We move around a lot, but I am a writer a speaker and an Enneagram coach, also a podcast host. Mm -hmm. And I coach people, mentor people and write Mm -hmm. about all kinds of things. So that's pretty much like, you know, my job job. Mm -hmm. Um, We currently live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is about an hour away from where I'm originally from. Mm -hmm. And that's been an adventure. Living in Louisiana in general is an adventure, but um, (laughs) being so close to family for the first time since I graduated high school is um, pretty cool. I didn't even think about that yet because you've been, I mean, we met when you lived in Nashville and then Mm -hmm. um, you and your, well, I guess you guys were you? We were dating. You were dating at the time. Yeah. And you you guys went to New York City and then you got married. Yeah. Um, you were in New York for a bit, then you went to Houston for a bit, yep. and then Baton Rouge. So you've just kind of been all over the place in the last few years. Exactly. And eventually <laughs> we'll we'll make our way back to Houston, I I believe. <laughs> and then, who knows? <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. You just kind of hit like the whole South, basically Southeast, and, yeah. and a city everybody loves, and that's New York City. Oh, yeah. That was wild. <laughs> That was a wild season, I know. <laughs> that was a wild season. Before anyone moves to New York, DM me. <laughs> yeah, get all the info. Get all the info. That's amazing. <laughs> well, as you know, on this podcast, we often talk about travel because uh, mm-hmm. I'm super passionate about it, super excited um, to be finally like taking some trips 
in the yes. near future. So um, I know you just recently went to Hawaii. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. How was that for you? It was awesome. Um, I had all these things planned and was were just we were just so pumped to go mm-hmm. surfing and eat poke and do all those things. And then I found out I was pregnant the day before we left. <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome, but we did have to cancel a few things and I didn't mm-hmm. get to enjoy poke. But I will say that um, whenever I did have energy there and wasn't feeling sick, we got to do some incredible hikes. Hana, mm-hmm. uh, like Hana Town, uh, you know, the road to Hana, like that's mm-hmm. what everyone talks about in Maui. We only, we stayed in Maui the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hana, like the little town, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is the cutest town. It has the most incredible views. Wow. It's I mean, I would tell everyone to go there. And then I think it's I think there's like the Hana Resort maybe is where we stayed. We only stayed one night, but life changing. I'll never wow. forget it. That sounds amazing. I know a lot of people right now are like looking to domestic destinations to visit. And I know that, you know, big ones like Hawaii, Alaska, like ones that mm-hmm. are a little bit harder to get to feel more exotic, yet they're still, you know, part of the United States. A lot of yeah. people are kind of like jet setting to those types of places. So you would highly recommend Maui and the road to Hana. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you mentioned you're pregnant, which is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Are you planning a trip before baby comes or maybe a trip once baby, you know, is is ready to go traveling? Are there any places you're dreaming of going? Yes. So it's kind of funny. Well, and somewhat unfortunate, but we (laughs) got companion pass on Southwest the week that we got back from Hawaii. (laughs) Cool. <laughs> I'm like in my first trimester and I'm like, I cannot go anywhere. <laughs> but uh, now that I'm starting to feel better, we are, yeah, we have all kinds of things planned. Um, there's a wedding in Nashville in September that we'll definitely be at. Um, would love to do Charleston, Chicago again. Oh. We've actually done both of those places, mm-hmm. but would love to do those again if we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cabo and Cancun are on our mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else. It's almost like every month we have something planned because we're like, oh, well, we have to take advantage of this. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though the timing is a little bit sketchy. Yeah. But how long does the companion pass last? Does it only last a year? It's to the, it's like the rest of this year and next year. Oh, okay. Okay. You can make that work. Yeah. It's not bad, but. No. You'll get it. No. I mean, I've seen people, even friends of mine who started flying with their babies when they were only like a few months old. So mm-hmm. depending on how things go, that could also be an option into 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, That's I'm a little crazy. bit terrified to bring a, a human kind of time bomb <laughs> on a plane, <laughs> but, <laughs> or like, I don't know, you know, you just never know what can happen there. No. <laughs> but I have friends that travel a lot um, who have kids. So I'm like, I'll just take some pages from, from their book. But Definitely. Definitely. We'll oh, that sounds amazing. Oh man. Well, I could talk about travel forever. I'm sure you could too, because I know you've done quite a bit of it. Yeah. But let's give the people what they want. <laughs> let's okay. talk about the Enneagram. Perfect. <laughs> so Perfect. we already mentioned this, but a few years ago, you became a certified 
Enneagram coach, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So what inspired you to pursue that um, certification? Um, I think like most things, or maybe not most things, but some things that people become passionate about, it comes from trauma. <laughs> so <laughs> my, I guess why, well, I remember um, a while back before I met my husband, I was in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. and physically, emotionally, verbally, all those things. And one day I remember him like screaming in my face, like calling me names, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I kind of just stopped. And in the back of my mind, I was just like, why do you hate yourself so much that you're projecting mm. that onto me? And I don't even know where that thought came from. The Lord, I guess. <laughs> because I was not that emotionally intelligent to think that. But it was just like, why do you, you must think so low of yourself that you have to bring me down with you. Mm. And that kind of put me on a journey to try to understand why. Yeah. Why do you think the way that you do? Why do I think the way that I do? Why do we get in arguments? Why is this the way that it is? And I didn't really get into it until after the relationship ended, which is probably good because I probably would have tried to fix him. But um, <laughs> from there, it just launched me into this Enneagram black hole that I have never gotten out of. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, I feel like the first big question I have to ask you, which is totally loaded. So please do with this what you will. What mm -hmm. exactly is the Enneagram and what is it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually love that second part of that question. It's, uh, I'm excited to answer that one. But <laughs> What it is, is really a map or a GPS um, based on nine basic personality types that talk about the why behind um, why you think, feel, and behave the way that you do. Mm. And it's essentially a roadmap. You know, uh, there's, you can kind of think of like, you know, when you're driving down the road and there's um, guardrails, mm -hmm. if you're going over like a bridge or something, you can kind of think of it as that, where you're living your life, you're doing great, but what you can kind of notice, it helps you be aware of when you get close to those guardrails and you need to get back on the center, recenter and kind of get back on track. So that's pretty much what it is, I would say. What it's not is <laughs> satanic. <laughs> that's what it's not. <laughs> um, it's not anything that is like evil and, yeah. you know, the worst thing on the planet, but it's also not something to die on the sword from. And it's not mm -hmm. something to, you know, put all of your personality eggs in the Enneagram basket. Yeah. I'm a coach. I literally make a living telling people about the Enneagram and I tell people not to take it too seriously mm -hmm. because you just can't take what you grow, take what, you know, helps you grow from it. Mm -hmm. um, be aware of the shortcomings of your type and, mm -hmm. you know, work on those. But it's, I think some people are kind of get too involved in it where yeah. it starts to be, become a serious part of their identity that they depend on it. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be a part of you, you know, like, yeah, this is, this is what I am. This is how I use it to grow. And that's mm -hmm. it. I think that that's like the key is recognizing it as a tool for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because wait to answer to say one thing when you said it's not satanic <laughs> i feel like we mm-hmm. need some context there it, it, i think oftentimes christian communities or certain t- subsects of the christian community have seen the enneagram as like or said it comes from a place of like pa- is it paganism i don't yeah. know and, that's but that's said, yeah. but that's not true Right. So the truth is, is that we don't have like a hundred percent of the facts when it comes to the origins of the Enneagram, mm-hmm. but what we do know, it it's not necessarily, um, biblical, mm-hmm. but just because it's not biblical doesn't mean that it's <laughs> the opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing, each teacher, each Enneagram teacher teaches the, this from their worldview. Mm-hmm. So you may, someone may teach the Enneagram totally different than I do when it comes to growth and ways yeah. to um, be your most health, the most healthy version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I approach it in a gospel perspective. Everything I do, um, it, it teaches, mm-hmm. you know, in partnership with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So again, every teacher is different. Every, they teach it based on their worldview. Right. And the other thing about the Enneagram that it's not is that it's not exactly a hundred percent like um I don't know how to explain it um like the very very start of it has been added and subtracted to so Mm -hmm. much over the years Mm -hmm. so you also have to choose a teacher that you know has used their discernment on how they teach as well yeah that's good I just feel like it was it. It's good to say that because I know some people have heard certain things or may have heard certain things about how the enneagram is evil, or mm-hmm. it's you know because yeah, and I I have always found that the people I've learned the enneagram from, um, or you know I've had conversations with about it, oftentimes um, if if they're you know if they would consider themselves um, followers of Jesus have said that, you know, in some ways it just helps us understand more the unique ways that we were made by God because yeah. we all are uniquely, wonderfully, perfectly made in his image, yet his image doesn't look the same in every single person. And mm-hmm. that said, you know, um, we'll start talking about types in a minute, but um, you could know someone who might, you know, classify as the same type as you, but you might look totally like the way you act, the way that you um, think could be totally different. And that's also mm-hmm. the beauty in it too, is w- even once you're typed, it doesn't mean like you're stuck in this one little box or this one right. bubble of what that type is, um, right. which is really cool. Something else I feel like I want to say when we're talking about what the Enneagram is not, um, you said grow and growth a lot. And I think that like so important to hone in on that, that like the Enneagram is a tool for growth, um, not a tool for justification of bad mm. behavior. Cause I do feel yeah. like, um, maybe when I first took the, you know, first took the assessment and figured out what I was, um, and even in maybe some conversations I've had with friends over the years, it's a lot like, you know, well, I thought this, or I said this, but you know, I'm a three and it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> or, or it's like, well, yeah, okay. But like, how do you grow from it? That's always what I'm asking myself at least. Cause I'm a four, which I know a four can be seen often as like dramatic or, um, really emotional. Um, and I tend to be an emotional reactor or, or I respond emotionally, maybe is a better way to say it. And there was a time when I was like, well, it's just cause I'm a four. It was like a very, yeah. very Eeyore, very Eeyore. Um, yeah. But now like with, with time and 
wisdom comes with time, which is great because now I'm learning like, okay, well, yeah, I'm in an emotional place right now. It doesn't mean I have to like make really rash or, or irrational decisions out of this deep place of emotion. Um, so anyway, sure. growth, growth yeah. is huge. Yeah. And um, kind of exactly what you're talking about. I trained through your Enneagram coach with Beth McCord. And one of the things that she tells us is like, it's not a sword or a shield. So mm. it's never to be used to cut anyone else down, but it's also never to be used to hide behind. Nice. Oh, that is golden. It's not a sword. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Are you ready? Perfect. Okay. The nine types. Yeah. Let's go over what the nine types are and then how would someone discover what they are is kind of where we're going. So the type one is the reformer, the rational, idealistic type. They are principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Mm-hmm. Their basic fear is of being corrupt and evil, and their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, or to be balanced. Mm. Then you have type two. They are caring, interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Mm-hmm. Their basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved, and their basic desire is to be loved. Mm. Then you have your type three, the achiever. They are the success-oriented, pragmatic type. They're adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. So mm-hmm. their basic fears of being worthless and their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. The individualist is that type four, like you are, <laughs> and they are the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance or to create an identity. I'm going to pause here and tell everyone what I'm not supposed to tell people that four is my favorite type. <laughs> really? Yes, because they're as stereotypical four, none of them are the same. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, and, and they're often the hardest to identify for me. Mm. So um, it's fun. Oh, I love it. Yay. <laughs> They're my favorite type. <laughs> the type five is the investigator, the intense cerebral type. They're perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Their basic fear is of being useless, helpless, or incapable. And their basic desire is to be capable and competent, very knowledge-driven. Then we have the type six, which is the loyalist. They are the committed, security-oriented type. They're engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Mm. Basic fear is of being without support and guidance, and their basic desire is to have security and support. Mm. Then we have the seven. They are the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type. They're spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered, typically. Basic fear is of being deprived and in pain, and their basic desires to be satisfied and content, to have their needs fulfilled. The last two types, you have eight As the challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Their basic fears of being harmed or controlled by others, and their basic desire is to protect themselves or be in control of their own life or destiny. Hmm. Last but not least, we have the peacemaker for type nine. They're easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. Their basic fear is of loss and separation, And their basic desire is to have inner stability or peace of mind. Mm. Now, hearing all of these, you know, one might pop up or sound like, oh, yeah, that that probably could be me. Um, So what I generally recommend now, if you're just getting into the Enneagram, 
I'm going to tell you the best way is to just research all these types and decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. However, that's very daunting. (laughs) That's, it's a big task. Mm -hmm. I still research them all the time. So this is what I recommend people do. I recommend you take an assessment. I have a free one on my website. That's um, ainsleybritton.com forward slash Enneagram. That has a bunch of information on it, but it has a free assessment. It's going to spit out top three numbers. Mm. From those top three numbers, dig deeper, research those three types. See if any of those feel like they, you know, kind of stick out to you. Usually your main type is probably the one you're least comfortable with. (laughs) So true. Because you're like, oh, shoot, that just read my diary. (laughs) So that's kind of how you can discover your type. And if you Mm -hmm. feel stuck, a lot of people are always going to feel stuck, you know, between uh, two types. They're like, I just can't decide. Mm -hmm. Check out the uh, A, reread the motivators, the basic fear, basic desire. And then B, check out the stress and growth paths. Mm-hmm. Each number in their most healthy um, or growing season mm-hmm. shows the healthy attributes of another number. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, in a season of stress, they're going to show the unhealthy attributes of another number. Mm-hmm. So whenever people are stuck, I always tell them the stress and growth paths will tell you as long as you're self-aware enough to know how you react Mm -hmm. in stress and in growth. Mm -hmm. um, That is going to be the best way to figure it out from there. Mm -hmm. If you still feel stuck, that's whenever I would recommend a coach. Mm. um, So they can kind of walk through the right questions to ask, but Mm. um, that's Mm -hmm. generally how you can find your type. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think I mentioned this before we started hitting record or maybe I've already said this. I don't remember. But when I was when I was initially um, kind of introduced to Enneagram, gosh, like five years ago. Oh, maybe longer. Um, I read a book and I don't remember what it was, but I read a book and that's how I discovered I had to read about all the types. And then there's yeah. like a little assessment at the end to kind of take it and it gives you like your top three, essentially. And I ended up being very stuck between not knowing if I was a one or if I was a four, because I could see a lot of me in both of those. And three was in there a little bit too, but I ultimately came down to one and four. Um, And my friend who had let me borrow that book said, you know, which one kind of is striking a nerve? Like which one is kind of making you like, like just Mm -hmm. feel kind of, and I was like, oh, a four for sure. And she's like, well, you should also look at the growth and the and the stress um, paths. And I looked and found that a four, when they're in a really healthy spot or healthy season, can look like a healthy one. And it all started to make sense to me. Um, also, when I found out that I could look like an unhealthy two when I'm not healthy, that also made a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I to- just want to echo what you said, like figuring out looking at all of them if you can, but if not, like take that assessment. I'm going to link the one on your site. I'm going to link it in the show notes for you guys. Um, but yeah, taking a look at your top three and kind of diving a little deeper on each of them, looking at those paths, um, it will really help you to kind of probably figure out which one you are. And if you really get down to it, get a coach or talk to people close in your life. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, they won't type you already because like that's a big no-no, right? Like you're not supposed yeah. to type other yeah. people and tell them. Um mm-hmm. But like they might help bring light and awareness to um, 
who a little bit of who you are just based on what they know being your friend. Um, okay, yeah. wait, before we go any farther, you haven't talked about what you are. Oh, I, so mine's always a little bit tricky. I kind of throw people for a loop, <laughs> but which is actually, it's actually a good point though, because I'm a two wing three, mm-hmm. which we all briefly go over wings, but I'm a two wing three. My core motivation lines up with the two, but I behave almost identical to the three. Interesting. So whenever you're thinking about the Enneagram, the reason I'm not a three is because that it's not about your behavior. It's mm-hmm. about that core motivator. Mm-hmm. So it's about the why that you're doing the things that you're doing. Why are you um, bringing that certain gift to the birthday party or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it looks like. <laughs> but um, so, I, yes, I'm a two wing three, heavy, heavy, heavy on the three. Yeah. You know, I'm a four wing three and I feel like oftentimes people who aren't, who don't know me well enough wouldn't think I was a four. But once they're like close enough to me, they're like, oh, okay, I can see it. But generally yeah. people think I'm a three. And I'm like, I just think I have a really strong three wing. So mm-hmm. speaking of wings, exactly. what a segue. This was a beautiful segue. I know. Um, let's dive a little deeper into wings. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about what those are um, and what those aren't? Because I feel like oftentimes I hear people say they have certain wings that they actually can't technically have. So tell us a little yes. bit about that. Happens all the time. <laughs> so wings, um, Beth McCord and team uh, likes to call them the salt and pepper of our Ooh, personality. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, you can pull from each of these seasonings to spice up your personality. You can pull from either of these behaviors, right, of each of the these numbers that are your wings. Um, but you don't want to pull too much because then you'll start to get into the unhealthy sides of these um, numbers, mm-hmm. which I definitely pull too much on my three wings, but <laughs> I, it is what it is. Now, what are those two numbers? They are the numbers adjacent to your main type. Mm-hmm. So you as a four will have a three or a five wing. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the numbers on either side of your type. Mm-hmm. As a two, I will have a one or a three wing mm-hmm. or both. And you can go between these wings all the live long day, or you can have a main wing, but don't feel like, you know, like, oh, I'm doing this and this is more like this wing. So I must have this wing. Mm-hmm. But then I don't do that all the time. Right. That's okay. Right. Yeah. You can just pull from them at any time. That's the beauty yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and the, I think too, the wings have helped me understand more the uniqueness of each person even when they might have the same type because you don't like you know like I said I'm a strong three wing I have a little bit of five but it's not nearly as like intense as my three wing and then I can Mm -hmm. know someone else who's a four who has a really strong five wing and just a little bit of three we look totally different totally different um I think yeah you're right the seasoning can make all the difference right absolutely absolutely (laughs) I mean I'm even thinking of like if, if anybody watches New Girl, like Jessica Day, uh-huh. chewing one, <laughs> not at all like me. I am not like her. I do not wear polka dots or anything, but I love her to death. I think she's hilarious, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, not me. So but yeah, also an example of that. <laughs> I love the like, um, I feel like there's like this, I don't know if it's still as strong as it was about a year ago, but this trend on Instagram with like all these um, digital creators making mm-hmm. like um, 
typing essentially different characters from shows and movies and things like that. I always thought that's yes. a really fun thing to do. So I like that you brought that, that up. That gets real fun. controversial too. Like it's someone true. probably will be so mad at me that I said that about Jeff. <laughs> but I I will tell you, pay attention to how over-involved she gets. That is a two mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Not a nine thing. People want to say she's a nine. It's not a nine thing. <laughs> See, if there's anyone you should trust, it's someone who has like taken, put in the work, gotten the certification, <laughs> understands the core motivators and the core fears. Because like <sighs> you said, that's ultimately the most important part of discovering what you are. Um, totally. That's amazing. Okay. Well, yeah. there's like so many other facets and other levels to the Enneagram. We have like the basic nine types, right? Then you yep. have wings. Then you yep. have the, you mentioned the paths for health and stress. We're not going to go over all of those for every number because if we went over every number, this would be like literally nine episodes. We'd have to do a whole episode per And it would number. be so confusing. <laughs> so, but there She's are, like, so, yeah. So like the place to start really is figuring out what type you are. Then looking at wings, looking at those stress and growth paths. Um, but there's like more. There's so many more other things. Yeah. Really briefly, can you just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the Enneagram centers? I, I believe that if they're so called something else, please correct me. But I know that there's like three different centers on the Enneagram. And there's like a whole visual you could find where it like essentially divides it out. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about those three things. Yeah, so those are um, the centers of intelligence or triads, either way. That is perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Um, It's essentially like a person will process, react, and respond to life from their center of intelligence first. Mm -hmm. So each personality really develops strategies in an attempt to compensate for their type's imbalance in their triad. Mm. But knowing how they're imbalanced allows them to overcome, you know, liabilities and move forward in their direction of growth. So if someone is like struggling still to know their Enneagram type, you can kind of narrow it down by finding your triad group Mm. because your main type will likely be in there. Mm -hmm. But I didn't find that that was the easiest way for me. Mm -hmm. So everyone's just going to be different on that. But there are three different um, triads mm-hmm. or centers of intelligence. They are the gut triad, the heart triad, and the head triad. Mm-hmm. So the gut triad, also known as the instinctual center, are types eight, nine, and one. They're going to react, process, and respond with their gut, mm-hmm. as it says. Now, <laughs> there's always one type within the triad that doesn't seem like it fits. Mm. And that's going to be they're probably going to be um, repressing that. Oh, interesting. So a nine yeah. is the peacemaker. So you're like, how is the nine in the gut triad? You know, because eights and ones are pretty um, mm-hmm. to the point. Mm-hmm. And nines are keeping the beast. So that's kind of an example of what that looks like. You have likely you have an outward expression of this, an inward expression of this, mm-hmm. and somewhere in the middle. So that's the gut triad. Mm-hmm. Then you have the feeling center, which is the heart triad, mm-hmm. which is two, three, and four. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> three is going to be the one that tries to like kind of repress and like, uh, no, we don't need feelings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Then last but not least, you have the thinking center, which is the head triad, which are types five, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. Seven is the one that's going to be like, 
we don't need to think. Let's just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but we love our sevens. Oh my god, I lo- personally, I mean, I love all the types, but like a seven for some reason, I feel like I have a lot of friends who are sevens. Um, and I've come to find, and you can totally please correct me if I'm wrong, because I am not a certified enneagram anything. <laughs> but I have found in my friendships with my seven friends they tend to stay up like up pretty high. And I feel like oftentimes as a four, I have a tendency to stay pretty low and there's yeah. this like really beautiful balance that in a trusted relationship, we kind of get to like compensate for one another or, or help each other. I feel like my sevens bring me up and make me lighter and I can sometimes provide safe space for them to come down and spend a little more time in the deeper places. Um, sure, absolutely. I, I love my seven. I mean, I love all my friends, but my seven friends really help me like, do go and do and have fun and be spontaneous which is something I want to do more of it's just not naturally something I will do on my own all the time so yeah anyway I love my seven yeah. friends I love all my friends but seven friends are special. <laughs> that's amazing thank you for helping explain those three things um and it's it's so clarifying to understand that like that's where decisions end up being made or on in those kind of three spaces those three triads yeah, absolutely. And those reactions. Whew. It's so true. I know. I know. I There are some moments where I love being the type that I am and then other moments where I'm like, man, so many emotions. Like just all the time, always in the feels, good and bad. And uh, But yes. like I said, the Enneagram, knowing more about my type and my wings and my subtypes and all the other things that you could – you guys should all go research when you have time because it really is fascinating – um, mm-hmm. it has just helped me so much to understand like when I'm acting in a healthy way versus when I'm not, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a good course corrector for me because I've been able to notice sometimes when I personally might slip into like a melancholic space. Um, I have mm-hmm. a tendency to do that every few months and it's usually a couple days that I'm just kind of like sad for no real reason. I just know I'm sad and I used to not know how to, um, either like be in that place in a healthy way or it was almost like I would like stuff it down or ignore that it was there at all, which we know are both terrible reactions to emotions in general. And so I've learned through learning more about my type and how I react and how I think and all that sort of stuff, how to healthily kind of like live in that space when I need to feel, feel my feelings for whatever they might be in that moment. Um, but then move past them in a way that's really healthy. And in my counseling journey, I've been in counseling for the last seven months, I guess. It's been amazing. I've learned so much. Um, coupling what I know about the Enneagram and my type with my counseling journey has been transformational in so many ways. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. as I'm as I'm working through like stuff from childhood and even some stuff from like early adulthood, some of these, you know, micro traumas that have turned into core beliefs that are not true Mm -hmm. and have, you know, um, driven a lot of my decision-making as an adult, coupling those things with what I know based on my Enneagram type and the research that I've done on all of that has, it's just been really, really powerful. So again, the Enneagram, like you said, a tool for growth, so much growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, from your experience being a coach, because I know you've been a coach for a few years, what are some of the coolest ways that you've seen? Um, I guess I kind of just segued really well into this question too, but what are some of the coolest ways that you've personally um, seen the Enneagram help people just to learn to understand themselves a little bit more? Yeah, I think um, you're 
kind of how you painted that picture is perfect. And it kind of did the same thing for me. It was, um, I kind of paired it with my counseling mm-hmm. process or journey whenever I first started getting into it and the clarity that comes from it. Mm-hmm. And even the thing that I hear most often is I finally feel seen, heard and understood. Like mm-hmm. those are the things that people are feeling whenever they're reading this stuff, mm-hmm. no matter what type they are. And they may not say it in those exact words, but that's what they're experiencing mm-hmm. is for the first time, sometimes finally feeling seen, heard and understood. And I think that's a gift that is just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's miraculous almost to even mm-hmm. reach that point and be able to usher people into that experience. Um, and I mean, it just is incredibly impactful with the relationships. I mean, the I know my husband is a three, so I know X, Y, Z about him. And I know how to make sure to say the right things that are encouraging and not enabling of workaholism, for example, um, you know, something like that. I know how to encourage him without enabling. And I think that is life-changing. And even friendships. I mean, knowing that what other friends are, I know, okay, my eight friend is going to be very direct, mm-hmm. very to the point, And I know not to take anything personally, mm-hmm. which is really hard for the heart triad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The gut triad, you know, can poke the heart triad <laughs> a little bit. And so I think that, you know, just, just those things mm-hmm. are super important and you know knowing if I have a six friend then I'm probably going to need to reassure them a couple of times of something and that's okay and that kind of stuff is what I think is just absolutely transformational when it comes to the Enneagram not only within yourself but the relationships around you. Dude you're so right I hadn't even I mean I know how impactful and helpful they've been in my friendships and even relationships with like family members and stuff Um, Mm -hmm. so thank you for saying that because you're right it does help if you know what someone is, you will, you'll have a better understanding of like the way they react is, or, or the way that they, I don't know, you just know how to communicate better. Um, like I found that I just am able to communicate even in like working relationships with some of my clients. Um, if they know the Enneagram and they know what they are, I tend to ask because it's helpful mm-hmm. because then I have a better feel for what their work style is or their communication style. Um, and then, you know, you just find like a good flow and you can adapt and yeah. I, yeah. You're so right. The Enneagram is so helpful in, in relationships of all kinds. I would definitely recommend workplace, Yeah, you know, environment. I've, I've done coaching for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I go in and do a little workshop and I think it's awesome. Very, very, I've seen a lot of fruit come out of that and it's Mm -hmm. really cool. I think it's just, you can't really get, you can't get as frustrated with people if you know kind of where they're coming from just in their Mm -hmm. personality. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and just understanding too, like we don't all communicate the same. We don't all work the same. Like they're all the things. So yeah, Yeah. that's so right. That's so good. Okay. Well, what is like the, if, if you could only give one piece of advice or say one thing to somebody who's wanting to dive deeper into the Enneagram and learn more about it, what would you tell them? I would say, it's okay if you cry. <laughs> 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 or get angry or get hurt or whatever. Um, but keep keep pushing through and 
don't give up if you feel like the piece doesn't fit right away. Um, try your type on like an article of clothing, see how it fits, see how it feels, try it on for a few weeks and then maybe try on another type. If you feel like, um, you know, that didn't just fit right and just give yourself grace as you're figuring it out and don't kind of marry yourself to the first type that spits out on the assessment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really, really good. Oh, Ainsley, this has been so fun. I mean, I have a couple more questions to ask you, but just talking about the Enneagram, I like, this is something I know people have been asking for. Um, and I'm so glad that to finally have been able to do this episode, but more than anything, yes. being able to do it with you, because I know you, I love you and I trust you. So, yes. <laughs> so thank, thank you for you. sharing all your wisdom on this topic. It's really, really great. Oh my gosh, anytime. I love it. I have so much fun. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, well, um, I know I've asked you some of these questions that I think about it on our first episode, which you guys was episode number four. So if you want to hear more from Ainsley, totally different topic. We weren't talking about the Enneagram, but still such a great episode. I still get comments about that one, actually. So go check out episode four to hear the other episode I did with Ainsley. But um, that was, I mean, we recorded that years, a year and a half ago or so. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that some of your answers have changed just with time. So Definitely. knowing knowing what you know now, I don't even know how old you are. Are you 20? I'm 30. You're 30? I'm 30. Whole, a whole 30 year old. Girl, I know. I'm 31 and it's just bewildering. But here we are. It's crazy. Everyone says your 30s are better than your 20s. So I'm just taking hold. Of it. I feel like the majority of my 30s were spent in 2020 and so like it just yeah like nothing matters but um yeah 30 yay okay so knowing what you know now at 30 what would you tell yourself at 20 I would say ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. like no matter where you are whether it's work friendship relationships just ask a lot of questions like stay curious and don't let guilt be a reason you date someone Ooh. Don't let guilt be be a reason to be in a relationship with anyone, like even a friendship, but definitely a dating relationship because that's intimate. Yeah. And it's like, well, I I don't want to break up with them because I feel bad. Stop. (laughs) If you're saying that, you need to break up with them. It's over. (laughs) Yeah, you're already mentally checked out. You might as well. Mm -hmm. Stop. You're going to be miserable. (laughs) The end. Solid advice. Solid advice. Oh my gosh. Okay. Especially at 20. (laughs) Especially. I know. Everything feels bigger, more intense. It it seemed like when you think about in high school and like sometimes Mm -hmm. I think of high school now and I'm like, oh my God, I thought the world was ending when this relationship ended. And now, you know, 12 years removed. I'm like, that was nothing. (laughs) Compared to like, God. oh God, so true. (laughs) I think that about a few relationships I had in high school and college. I'm like, Bless. yes, we would have killed each other. Like legit killed each other. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> very, very good advice. Um, okay. Well, obviously this podcast is called wild hearts um, with Janine. So mm-hmm. in your opinion, what makes somebody a wild heart? I wish I remembered what I said originally uh, <laughs> in that first episode. Cause I wonder if this is the same, but I do think that it's like someone who's afraid and does it anyway. Mm -hmm. I think that's what kind of creates that wild. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. I think everyone's afraid all the time. No one knows what's going on. No (laughs) one knows what they're doing. That's just a fact. Okay. Um, But doing it anyway is 
how you grow and how you change and how you become someone new. And I would say someone who's afraid and does it anyway and asks questions along the way. Mm-hmm. Do it scared. That's like one of my favorite things to tell people. I'm like, if you're a yes. little bit scared, that's like a good thing because mm-hmm. that means there's a little bit of risk involved. And, it, you know, if you're a believer, like that means you kind of know God has to show up and do something, but you're going to say yes anyway. You're going to have faith. You're going to be obedient. So, yeah. So good. 100%. Absolutely. My favorite piece of advice in general is just to do it scared. Gosh, Ainsley, this has been so fun. I want to make sure everyone knows where they can um, find you and follow you and tell them about your podcast too, because your podcast is killing it. You're killing it in general, but like, yeah, just share all the things. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm killing myself in general, (laughs) slowly. I'm just kidding. Um. Yes, I hang out on Instagram most of the time at Ainsley B, but also have an Enneagram exclusive TikTok. So if you want to laugh about the Enneagram, it's at Enneagram and Chill. Uh, my website is AinsleyBritton.com, which is where that Enneagram assessment is, as well as you know a collection of other things. Uh, my podcast is called Wild Confidence, and we talk about how to find, keep, and share your confidence in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that is what I do most days is work on that. And I think that's all the places. What do you think? (laughs) I think that's all of them too. Yeah, it's a lot of different things, but they're all super great. So you guys should definitely give her a follow. And don't forget to head to ainsleybritton.com backslash Enneagram to take that free assessment that she has available to you. Um, Especially if you're just getting started in your journey or really want some clarity, um, go check out all the resources that she has for sure. Ainsley, thank you so much for being a repeat guest, the first repeat guest on Wild Hearts. Thank you. I'm honored. So grateful for you and your friendship and for showing up in this space and helping educate so many of us on the Enneagram. You're the best. You are. Thank (laughs) you so much, Janine. I just love everything you're doing. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I hope that this conversation has encouraged you to step out confidently and say yes to the things that God has for you. Hey, while I've got your attention, I would absolutely love it if you went to Apple Podcasts and rated, reviewed, and subscribed to Wild Hearts with Janine. It would mean so much to me. All right, I will see you guys back here when the next new episode drops, when I'll be sitting down with another great guest to talk about another wild-hearted topic. But until then, you guys, keep dreaming, seeking, and stepping out in faith.